Hey guys, I'm Michael Carboni, and you're listening to episode 14 of Chasing Kangaroos, the podcast for rugby league fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. Well, we've broken our number one rule. We said we'd never do it, but here we are with an all NRL episode. And we're just too damn excited for the 2019 season, which kicks off in just over a week. We promise we'll only do it once a year. And joining me tonight with an all-listener Q&A episode is NRL expert Dane Clark. Clarky, how are you, mate? Very good. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm, I'm not sure I'm classified as an um, <laughs> expert just yet, but I'll, I'll take it as a compliment. Mate, with uh, 100K followers across all of your social media channels, Clarky's NRL column, I'd consider you an expert. Man, for those of you, for those of our listeners who don't know who you are, can you give us maybe a short couple of sentences just to explain yourself? Yeah, pretty much. I'm just a normal 21-year-old rugby league fan. Um, four years ago, I noticed there was a big gap in the, in terms of, I suppose, NRL reporting. Yeah. I noticed almost every company or journalist had hidden agendas. They wanted you to pay for their articles or they had clickbait headlines that made you click onto false, false news where you'd be hit with a thousand ads and they would generate their money that way. I noticed there was a gap. So I thought, well, I might start my own page because I'm well up to date and what started as more or less... Um, just practicing, I guess, my writing skills by getting someone else's column and rewriting it in some ways. Yep. Um, today, I've, you know, I've got multiple sources across different clubs and I interview players and players want to jump on my story for a Q&A. So I guess I have came um, quite a fair distance from where I started. Those player Q&As and those player stories on your Instagram, man, it's worth following along just for that. But I will say, like, your news is so comprehensive. Like, if someone put a gun to my head, and said you could only follow one NRL-type personality on social media, it would probably be the Dragons' official page. But if I could follow mm. two, it would be yourself as well, mate, because um, <laughs> your news is it's just comprehensive, and um, you, you could probably get away with just following yourself, and you'd get all the NRL news that you'd need. So, mate, you're doing a really good job, and all that hard work, man, it's you know, 100K followers we're about 99,400 behind you, but we're, we're catching up fast, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate that. And I think, you know, like you just said, the fans, the players, they all appreciate it in an otherwise world where realistically people would probably sell photos of their mother for a quick dollar um, <laughs> if we're talking about current standard of sports journalism in Australia. Yep, definitely, man. And it's good to see such a passionate kid, mate. You're only 21. I can't believe it. I won't tell you how old I am, but, uh, you know, 21, that's awesome. Man, normally to, to any of our new listeners who are listening along because um, they want to hear Clarky, mate, we normally talk international and expansion rugby league, the sort of stuff you wouldn't hear on uh, Six Tackles with Gus or, or any of those sorts of podcasts. Nothing against them. I love listening to those guys, but um, we try to try to be a little bit different here. Today it's going to be Q&A. It's going to be NRL. And we've gone to our listeners for questions because, like I said earlier, we're only going to do this once a year. So we want to get as many NRL questions in as we can. Uh, we've been inundated with questions, um, and I'm probably going to go six or seven. Um, so to those of you who did reach out via Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with some questions, sorry if we couldn't get to all of you, um, but we're going to, I guess, pick and choose our best. Before I get into the serious questions, I'm going to, I'm going to throw one out from a good friend of the show, and he's, he's the Greek president of the Rugby League 
Greece president, George Stylianos. He said, boys, I can't believe 14 episodes in and you're already selling out with an NRL episode. Smiley face. But seriously, could you please, could you please still include a golden point segment? So golden points. We're still going to do that at the end of the show. Clarky, more than welcome to, to stick around with me there. If, um, if this does go for a little while, which I think, I think it may be one of our longer episodes. So if it does, I will split it. And we'll have bonus uh, bonus golden points uh, along with this episode as well. So, Clarky, feel free to stick around, mate, unless you want to watch Married with First Sight. That's up to you, buddy. No, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of maths, but I'm an even bigger fan of rugby <laughs> league. So, as long as you want me, you'll have me, I guess. Question number one comes from Gell underscore Adams09. I think this is a good one for you, mate, because you're well across all of the clubs and, and, and their their squads. So who will underperform and who will overperform in the 2019 NRL season? This is, a, this is probably one of the toughest questions I had to prepare for because no matter how you answer the underperform question, you're always going to upset someone. True. So I've gone with possibly one of the most unpopular choices you could select, but I'm going with the Melbourne Storm. Oh, wow. I mean, I know, yeah, I know they were in last year's grand final. Um, I know you can never count a team out that is coached by Craig Bellamy. You know, he has a 50% record of getting his team to the grand final. No other NRL coach that's coached um, for a long time has come close to that. I think the next best was in the 23% maybe, and he hadn't been to the grand final as many times as Bellamy. So it's you know, every time you look at the Storm, you get all these amazing stats and amazing accomplishments. But I feel this will be the first year in a while where they slip out of the top four and they're more of a top eight side. And if you're a Melbourne fan, I suppose that could come as a surprise because you are so accustomed to just you know compulsory success almost. I don't have too many strong reasons for it, but I just think, with Cameron Smith aging on a little bit in his career and especially the retirement of Billy Slater. When we saw Cooper Cronk leave the storm last year, we saw Smith in at first receiver a lot more than we ever had before because that was an area of the team that was lacking. And Smith is obviously a player that, in terms of game control, he can help out and assist in that way. With Billy Slater gone, they're replacing him with either Jerome Hughes well, it is Jerome Hughes at this stage, actually. Beg my pardon. Um, Scott Drinkwater out for, I believe, 13 weeks with a torn peck. So, Jerome... Yeah, poor bloke. Yeah, very unfortunate. But, you know, Jerome Hughes, relatively unexperienced, certainly hasn't played the 300 upward games like Billy Slater. That's a distinct um, loss of experience within their spine. And I just think Cameron Smith is going to struggle a little bit to make up for that area. Well, guys, this is why we've brought Clarky on the show. You know your shit, mate. Uh, good stuff. And I'm glad you put some criteria there because, you see, like underperform could mean doesn't make the eight comes last, but you've gone with a storm simply because they're expected to do well um, every year. It'll be interesting to see what the, how the fans react because, as you say, they're used to being there at the, at the, at the end of the season. Um, mm. Will the Melbourne fans still, still support the side? Or will we see them disappear a little bit? Mate, who do you see as um, overperforming this season? Again, this was another really tough one, but I went with the Canterbury Bulldogs. Now, I'm not a Bulldogs fan in any way, but I've gone for them to overperform because if you look at the betting markets, they're one of the favourites for the wooden spoon. And I just think that's crazy. They've got a great young forward pack that are all competing for spots. When you have competition for spots... That makes an environment where everyone is thriving and everyone knows I can't afford to take the week off or 
have a you know yeah. have a quiet game because I'm just as much chance of being replaced this week as I am next. I need to play my best footy. It sort of puts a little bit pressure on on the players, and I think a young forward pack with an experienced um, halves pairing, well, not necessarily halves pairing, but an experienced halfback like Kieran Foran, who typically is able to steer the ship. Now, I know he hasn't played the best of recent years, but I, I just feel that a healthy Kieran Foran still has a lot to offer the game and a lot to offer the Canterbury Bulldogs. A lot, of, a lot of these questions, and this is a testament to our listeners, but they're all avid expansionist and international rugby league fans. So even though we've gone NRL questions as a theme, a lot of them still relate to expansion or international rugby league in some way. Mm. And this is one of those questions. So Adam asks, how do we convince NRL clubs to be more proactive in both regional, so i.e. the Pacific region, and international development? This is a really tough one because from an NRL club point of view and this is a purely selfish point of view realistically australia is the premier country for rugby league and there is no incentive there's nothing that you can really do to convince them to you know invest in overseas talent i I believe the rabbitos have done this with a serbian team am i correct in saying that i think i might have that from your podcast is red star the one bill robinson and um anderson play for yeah, Brandon Anderson, Jamil Robinson, the two Americans playing over there. Red Star just competed uh, in the Challenge Cup, so they went down to Millam. Uh, but they're definitely, in terms of the Balkan region, they are the number one club. Everyone else is is following following them and trying to get close to them, but at the moment they can't. So, yeah, Red Star, the premier Serbian club. Hmm. I think another issue when we talk about development and expanding the game is a lot of fans expect it to be a light bulb, a light, sorry, switch fix. And I just, yep. I just don't think it is. It's not as simple as flicking the light up or flicking the light down and boom, there's a new team. I think we only have to look at my own team, the Gold Coast Titans. We, we've yep. been in for just over 10 years now. We've had little to no success. We've struggled. We've been bought by the NRL. We've been threatened to be kicked out of the comp multiple times in that in our tenor within the NRL. And for that reason, I just think that there is no light switch fix for this. It needs to – you just need to let that ship sail and, I guess, touch on each obstacle as you get to it. It's, it's a really, really, um, I guess, hard subject to – um, to talk about because in terms of what the NRL is doing, I don't believe they release much or even talk about this officially much at all. I've, I don't think I've ever heard the NRL touch on this um, in an official format. I think it's interesting because I think there are things that clubs could be doing in their own backyard in terms of development that they're not. So you've got some good clubs like the Panthers, the Dragons, Para. Uh, they do some great things, Broncos, for example, as well. But yeah. they, 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 there's a lot of clubs that could be doing more in their own backyard. So how can we expect them to develop, you know, the Pacific and, and into other international areas? I think things are starting to happen naturally, though. So you've got P&G Hunter up there in the Queensland Cup. And players are starting to come through that system and infiltrate the Queensland Cup. They're infiltrating lower levels uh, over in the English system as well. And... By virtue of that, players are coming up through the PNG domestic comp mm. into this Hunter side to to make way for those players. That's only going to going to happen more and more. We might see the same thing happen with a Fiji side in the New South Wales Cup. I think the NRL understands that the like the Pacific could be an area where some of our next superstars come from, and that's Absolutely. really what they want. 
Well, you've only got to look at Sammy Rudraja. He didn't know the rules and he didn't know how to catch a football. In my opinion, exactly. he became the, ga- the game's best winger within a couple of years. I think they recognise that too because they are taking some trial games over to Fiji next year. They're going to be doing that for the next three years. So definitely on the cards. Look, it, the individual clubs could be doing more. You've already said South Sydney Rabbitohs. They're helping out Red Star. Um, uh, more and more clubs could do that over time when if they see potential. Um, but I think, look, it's going to be hap- – we, we need to be patient. It's going to happen in the Pacific. Um, give it a few more years. I think it's, it's going to be there. Mate, um, question number three. Look, th- we had a bunch of questions uh, relating to Jack DeBellin and all the other off-field issues uh, over the off-season. I don't really want to get into individual indiscretions or court cases or anything like that, but what I will ask you, do you think the NRL is doing the right thing with their new uh, player behaviour policy? Yeah, I think the game's image is definitely at stake, given how much controversial, I suppose, incidents have occurred this off-season. But I'm saying yes. I'm basing that answer off today's current media. Because the yeah. media will not make a news report and say the NRL were too harsh. Yeah. But if the NRL were to give the player, uh, some of these players that are you know, facing um, these court cases and pretty serious charges, if they were to give them a lesser punishment, then it's an easy story for the Channel 9 News that night to snap up and go, yeah. NRL is sexist. They don't, you know, they just, by not... I suppose in some ways being harsher than they needed to be, they would open themselves up to so much more negative news reports that would further put the game's image at an even more risk. So, I mean, it had to be done realistically um, because like, like I've said three times now, the game's image is at stake and I can't overstate that. Um, I think the NRL is realistically, you know, the season I think is 10 days away now, but we're only, you know, one or two more controversies or scandals off losing major sponsors of the game, I believe. That's right. I, I saw a figure earlier today. I didn't read the entire article, but some, you know, we're to the tune of $6 million that could be lost just from these negative headlines. And it's kind of, we're almost, the, the game is almost so popular and it, it kind of hurts in a way because people buy newspapers when rugby league players do silly things, which is, you know, kind of, look, it's good and bad in terms of the popularity of the sport. But I agree with you. I think the tough stance needed to happen. I don't want to be embarrassed to say that I'm a rugby league fan. And, and it's almost heading in that direction because of, because of all these dickheads that are, mm. that are just doing silly things. But I draw the line when you start involving uh, women. Um, look, I, I don't want to see these role models, pref- uh, you know, acting poorly, especially especially with women, mate. I think it's terrible. I don't want to be following dickheads. I don't want to be supporting dickheads. Um, and if the NRL needs to be tough to get rid of them, then so be it in my books because, yep. you know, I don't, I don't want to see it. But, look, I think we'll leave that one there. Sure. Um, unless you have anything you want to add, mate. Well, mate. if I could add one more thing. I mean, I suppose our biggest rival code in Australia is the AFL. And um, I did a yep. column on this and did some research into it. The AFL are yep. spending a lot more money than we are on player education. Um, yep. Another example I have is obviously from America in the NBA, but I won't touch on that because it's obviously vastly different and vastly different pay rates. But the AFL also have a new thing, not all clubs, but some clubs have introduced this where when a player goes out, they have a professional yep. minder who goes to the bar and buys their drinks brings their drinks back, and when he thinks they've had too much, he goes, all right, I'm taking you to a taxi. We're driving you home, and he walks them to the taxi. 
that's actually a thing at AFL clubs. I don't know whether that's necessary given we're talking about grown men, but it has certainly it's worked. Almost, it's almost sad to think that these guys just can't look after themselves, you know, but if that's what it comes to, that, that might be what happens in the NRL as well. Um, mm. Look, I just think these guys need to, they need to grow up a little bit. Um, they're making a lot of money. They're in the limelight and they need to act accordingly. Uh, I know it's a lot to ask for some of these young guys, but, you know, it's all part of the education, I guess, that the NRL need to provide as well. Absolutely. Mate, let's, let's go into something more positive. So we had a question from Mary Kay. So she's a host of uh, Ladies Who League podcast, which is one that I've, that I've enjoyed recently. I'm very happy to hear that Mary's a listener of the show. I asked me a question. She said, I would love to hear what you both think about the decision not to expand the NRLW this year beyond four teams. Mm. Uh, again, I think, you know, touching um, on expansion again in a bit of a doom light, but I think they need to go slow on the NRL women yep. expansion. Um, and this is, you know, there's no hidden agenda here and nothing sexist behind it. I'm, pu- I'm talking purely off statistics from television ratings, um, crowd numbers, etc. There's not enough interest in the women's game yet. There's not enough promotion around it for us to expand to the same amount of teams as the NRL. I yep. mean, it sounds very, very bad to say, but it, it, you have to look at it honestly, and that is the raw facts behind it. And, and I, you know, I'm not just going to say that and not provide an example. I'm going to look yep. at the rugby women. So the Super Rugby decided they are making a women's competition. Yeah, so the Queensland Reds, obviously, you know, very experienced part of the world for rugby union, versus uh, the Melbourne team, where obviously AFL is the most popular sport. I don't know if you saw this on my page, but if you were to take a guess at that scoreline, what would be an acceptable scoreline uh, you, you would expect? Maybe Queensland to win by 40 or something like that? Triple that number, 122 to nil. No way. Okay. If we do, if we expand NRL women's too fast, we're gonna have score lines like that. And I tell you what, I probably would have watched women's rugby and enjoyed it. But when I see a score line like that, I don't take the promotion seriously. And as a result, they've lost me as a viewer. And I don't want that to happen with NRL women because I really enjoy that format of the game. I agree with you. I think um, it ha- last year's competition was fantastic. I do think slow and steady is the way to go. I think yep. even the a- the AFLW is expanding a little bit too quickly. What I wouldn't mind seeing is maybe going up, um, upping the number of games, so letting letting the women play each other twice. So you've got maybe a six-round competition. Yep. That might still be a year or so off as well. Uh, but I do think expansion needs to be thought about done slowly to because the quality of, of the women's competition has been so high, it... it I think it surprised a lot of people and we want to maintain that quality over the long term. So, yep, it would be nice to see some new clubs. And I think we will see that um, in the, in the next couple of years, a lot of clubs are paying attention to the women's game now as well and, and want a side. So we will see that. Maybe just side note, where do you think when they do expand, where do you think, um, where are we likely to see some clubs? For the women's? Yeah. Okay, well, I don't think this will happen, but but I believe, um, well, what I would like to see, sorry, is them to expand to Perth. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I I think that's where an NRL men's team eventually needs to be based. Um, And I think it'd be great for the women's format of the game because it would straight away add interest, um, not only to their game, but to the NRL as a whole organisation in a new area. And when we look at Perth as, as an expansion spot, we can't, 
we can't just sit here anymore and go, oh, it's not viable because it is. Yeah. Because the NRL is taking State of Origin, the biggest showpiece the NRL offers each year, the game that draws in the most television ratings, and they didn't put game one or three. They didn't put the opener or a dead rubber there potentially. They put the game that matters, game two. You either clinch the series or you even the series. They put the most important game in Perth, which shows we have the facilities there, which shows we have the stadium, we have the crowd interest. Um, so I think people that continue to discount Perth as a realistic expansion position, I think the NRL moving to Origin there just shut their argument down completely. And what I think is funny as well, it's funny you mentioned that, um, but we've seen that they've had to slow down ticket sales for that Perth game for the people of WA because the WA government who have pitched to to get this game played over there and paid some good money to have this game played over there, they were expecting some more tourism from New South Wales and Queensland. So they've limited ticket sales in, in the local area. So that just goes to show um, how, how great or how popular a site in Perth could be. Well, mate, look, that's, that's going to lead into my next question. So this one came from Bernard Fizz. So you've already half answered it, but he simply says expansion when and where. So I'm guessing Perth, mate, judging by your last question. Yeah, I think... Your last answer. Yeah, yeah, I I think Perth, but I I can't give you, um, I suppose, a when at this stage. I do think it's inviolable that Perth is going to be the next place we expand to, um, but I would really like to see the NRL help um, in that process, and especially for the first five years. I would like to see them help with potentially... Um, you know, there's, I've got a couple ideas, you know, um, topping up players' salaries by an extra 5% out of the NRL's pocket or that 5% doesn't count towards the salary cap. Obviously, yep. players are going to need to move to the other side of Australia um, and that's a big move for families. So I'd like to yep. see the NRL help them in that facet. Also, travel. I'd like the NRL to heavily subsidise or at least help pay for clubs' travel to and from Perth and especially the Perth team that's going to have to spend a lot more on travel than other teams. If we're serious about expanding to Perth, I really think the NRL are going to need to help them for at least the first half decade. Yep. Um, and I think as fans of other clubs, we need to recognise that for the long haul, it's better for the game. There's nothing biased there. Um, it's simply a decision that is going to help the game in the long run. Um, and I think we need to you know, cut the NRL a little bit of slack. But of course, fans are so passionate, they're not going to do that. They're going to... Um, really, you know, get behind and hate that idea that one team's receiving more help than the others. But I'm sure you'd have to agree. It does make sense for that team to get a little bit of a helping hand to at least establish themselves um, in, you know, the best rugby league competition in the world. We want to make sure that it does work. Uh, We've already tried it once and the the plug was pulled a little bit prematurely, I suppose. The, uh, The Western Reds could have been anything by this stage. They could have been a mini Melbourne storm by this stage. But unfortunately, uh, it was not to be. And if it happens again, look, I, I think it will happen again. Mm. Um, I again, I don't know when. Um, you know, we keep hearing that expansion is on the agenda, but we haven't had really a solid plan in place. And hopefully we see that uh, towards the end of this year from the NRL uh, and the ARLC. But when Perth does happen, mate, and this is a question without notice, but when it does happen, do you think it will be a, a new club like the Perth Pirates who are in the New South Wales Cup? Or do you think it might be a relocation of a Sydney Sydney club? I think it has to be a new club. I've spoken about this um, on my own podcast before, and there's just there's only two ways where you can sort of, um, I guess, cull a team to move them um, to another area. And, and the first one is um, by joining two clubs together. 
which will yep. just never work in 2019 because, you know, rivalries are that fierce, whether people want to admit it or not. Let's look at the Dragons and the Sharks. That would never work. Their fan bases would never come together. And there's just... They each other. Yeah, there's just no way you guys <laughs> could make that happen. The other way is to remove the salary cap. And we all know what's going to happen there. Teams are going to die out and be bought out, essentially. Yep. We can't relocate another team. We need to keep the current teams in the NRL and expand to an entirely new franchise in Perth. Mate, I'm going to disagree with you on that one. Um, I know the Perth Pirates have done an incredible job in the New South Wales Cup, um, but I think Perth. I think Perth is the logical next step. Look, I, I'll say my thoughts on this are: I think we can sustain 18 teams in the NRL in the not too distant future. I think Perth comes in. Uh, as a relocation of a Sydney club. Um, I think the way that needs to happen is the Sydney club needs to make that decision um, themselves uh, because they think it's a better opportunity for them. I'm looking at a club like the Sharks. I might piss a few people off by saying that, but yeah. I think a club like the Sharks makes a lot of sense. And I think if they were to move to Perth, then St. George Illawarra could easily, within a generation, uh, cover that Cronulla region. <laughs> I might be biased as a Dragons fan as well, but I think that's... I think that would be something that might happen in the near future. After that, I'd like to see another Queensland team and another New Zealand team. Uh, what do you think about those areas? Yeah, I think Queensland, probably Ipswich, Sunshine Coast are the areas I'm looking at most there. And that's for another New Zealand team. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. North or South Island, what do you reckon? Um, I'm not too phased as to where um, in New Zealand because we know they have such a great talent pool coming through that country. You could argue the Warriors had the best junior base because they're selecting from an entire <laughs> they, country. So They are. They are. Mate, they should, they should be winning grand finals, shouldn't they? Mate, um, mm. the next question, let's roll on with some expansion talk then. So this one comes from Daniel Hayes, and um, he says, should St. George Illawarra and the West Tigers bite the bullet and base themselves solely in Wollongong and Campbelltown respectively? What do you think about that one? Hmm, that's a really tough one. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm going to say no um, because you're going to cut half your fan base. I mean, I'm on a couple West Tigers forums and fan pages and they are always arguing if someone goes, I can't wait for the home game at Campbelltown. Yeah. And the other fans, it, it's what well, they've been joint for quite a few years now. I don't even know how many. Um, well, the, but, the Dragons, we our first year as a joint venture was 1999, and the Tigers yep. were two, year 2000. So. 2000. So I'm not so sure on the Dragon side of house, but I can definitely speak for what I've seen from the Tigers. That's 19 years, um, and they're still not realistically a conjoined club. The fans still, maybe not the new generation, but the older generation still have that, um, I guess, Balmain or Western Suburbs mentality. So Very much so. I think um, speaking from a... A St. George Laura fan perspective, and mm. I'm from the St. George side of the merger. I think our club is quite united. Um, you know, there's still a little bit of, of St. George versus Illawarra rivalry, but I think for the most part, we're quite, we're quite happy with the situation. I always think about this, like, should we move to Illawarra full time? Like, like do, it's, does it, sometimes it seems like we've got two personalities, which from a brand perspective, it doesn't always seem like a good idea. Um, but I think they can make it work, and if they're if they're developing both areas, if they're getting involved in the community, same goes with the West Tigers. I live in the inner west, so that's Balmain territory. Mm -hmm. And um, I will say that 
there, there isn't a lot going on around here for the West Tigers. You just don't see it. So apart from driving past Concord Oval from time to time and seeing the boys training, there's not a lot that the West Tigers are doing in the inner West, in the local community. They may be doing more in Campbelltown. I'm not too sure. But I think if they want to make, if they want to continue to make it work, then they need to get down and dirty in their local communities. I think it's fine for them to stay as they are. I wouldn't want it to change too much. They can succeed the way they are going and they can get better and better. But um, I think they just need to get involved from a development level, community level, go out to the schools, just get involved. And I think, um, I think it, I think Daniel Hayes, I think it stays the same, mate. We're powering through these questions, mate. Uh, I might mm. give you a few more for good measure. Yeah, sure. So this one comes from Nate Gladden, so the host of the Rugby League in America podcast. And, awesome uh, guy. Nate's a, <laughs> Nate's a great friend of the show. If you haven't listened yet, guys, episode seven, Nate and I talk all things uh, USA Rugby League. So that's a really good one to listen to. Episode seven, Chasing Kangaroos. Mate, Nate says, how does the inclusion of so many English players at Canberra play out this season? First of all, Nate, um, I got to admit, I started watching your stuff at first because I love the accent. But, um, Same. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, um, look, cohesion and chemistry is obviously huge in rugby league and particularly around your spine. But, you know, this year, to bring up a couple English names, we'll start with Josh Hodgson. Yep. When he came back last year, the Raiders looked like a different side. They thrashed the West Tigers in his first game back. They then went on in the next couple of weeks to beat uh, the top four sides, South Sydney Rabbitohs and the eventual premiers, the Sydney Roosters. I can't yep. overstate how important Josh Hodgson is to that side. Um, as for some of their other English names, Bateman, Whitehead, um, we've got Ryan Sutton. Um, I mean, climatizing is probably the biggest thing when players they talk about when they say going from the English Super League to the um, NRL because I suppose when you come to Canberra have you been to Canberra before I have been but it was probably a few years ago so, okay well that, that, that yeah. doesn't matter because it's cold and I'm sure you have to agree still cold. oh yeah still cold <laughs> um, it's freezing it, in winter you don't want to get out of bed here it's terrible um, but I suppose so would you say Canberra very similar to the weather in Northern England perhaps for some of these guys yes the only difference is the pre-season <laughs> um, because obviously it's summer here when they do pre-season and a lot of these lads in particular the new recruits Bateman and um, Sutton are used to doing it in the middle of winter in a typically very cold country and one thing a little off topic that I found very interesting um, when I interviewed Ryan Sutton he pretty much said I really struggled to keep weight on because I'm not used to sweating this much in a preseason. He said, I just had to eat, 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 because I'm trying to get a little bigger for the NRL, and it's so hard. So um, I suppose the preseason obviously is a climatization, bit of a shock. But as the season rolls out, and particularly having been to GIO Stadium so regularly, um, I'm trying to do a halftime update on the score, man. And I can barely move my fingers. (laughs) That's how cold it is. I'm not kidding. It was a few years ago. It snowed down there a few years ago or there was definitely a lot of ice on the field so that's that's definitely a first for rugby league in australia anyway so it does get cold down there and i look i think um i agree with you man i think they'll in terms of cohesion they should do well together um and i agree with hodgson mate i think there was the question we asked earlier about who was going to underperform and overperform this season i think a lot of people have written off canberra but if hodgson is fit they can beat anyone and, and I truly believe that. Before, I think uh, a couple of years ago, before he got injured, he was the best hooker in the comp, best hooker in the world. And if he can get back to that form, stay fit, 
then Canberra are my side to overperform this year. I think everyone's written them off. Uh, every year we say this could be the year that they come good. But this year everyone's written them off and I think they're going to have a good season. And I think the English boys are going to do well. Quite a few, Good to see a number of English players um, down here in the NRL yeah. applying their trade. Rick's doing a great job. And Sorry, man. Go for it, mate. Sorry. I was no, just no, going to say, Ricky certainly knows how to pick them. I mean, all, all the players, two of the players he's brought over, John Bateman, Elliot Whitehead, were, of course, on the Golden Boot shortlist this year. As you said, he brought over Hodgson. He's now going on to be, um, in my opinion, top three hookers in the world. Only ones that rival him are Damian Cook and Cameron Smith. Um, I, I sort of agree with what you said there about Hodgson. Um, he is the key to their season. Definitely. If he if he goes and plays as Josh Hodgson, the Hodgson we know, like you said, I that well he's shown last year they can beat any side. Um, but in saying that, I've got a bit of a gloom prediction for Raiders. I think if they don't get off to a flash start this year, um, it could go downhill very fast from that. And I think despite being a club legend. Um, I think Ricky Stewart is eventually um, sacked from that club. And that's unfortunate, obviously. Um, but, you know, I'm just on Google now getting up some stats. Um, he's got a 49% win-loss ratio as a coach. Um, at the Raiders, he's secured a 46%, yeah. um, which isn't too bad. But I think they've only made the finals with him um, once in 2016, I believe. Mate, the next question comes from my co-host, Charlie Monty. He hasn't been on this for a couple of weeks, but he figured by asking a question, he'd, he'd get on the show tonight. Mate, he says, and speaking of coaches, why are some coaches constantly scrutinised by media, so guys like Ricky Stewart, but others seem to fly under the radar, so guys like Paul McGregor? What do you, what do you think that is? Yeah, I've thought about this question long and hard, and I can't come to a definitive answer to that as to why that occurs. The only thing that essentially screams out at me is today's media is, um, particularly around Australian sport, very, in some ways, basic and very look-see do. Uh, because yep. once the information's out there, once the quotes are out there, um, it's very easy to construct up your own story. And all you've got to do is say at the start, according to this person, um, this, that. And then people are clicking onto that story and you're making money off someone else's quotes with your ads there. Um, or obviously, if you're a news station, people are watching your news, you're repeating a story, then your ads for the next minute or so pay you however many millions of dollars so you're blaming clickbait well i don't have any other answer man that's that's the honest <laughs> i seriously think it it just comes down to the fact that the media is so look-see do once one coach gets scrutinized and has an easy story um everyone else seems to um as wayne bennett famously said a couple of years ago come all over you um <laughs> Yeah. But I, well, nice choice of words, man. Yeah, it was a very good choice of words. But <laughs> I, I look at it with players as well because I know Josh Dugan um, is a fan of my page he follows and I've done a couple of good articles on some of the great work he's done in his community. But the major news services will never report on it because Josh Dugan is an easy target for them. He's an easy name and as long as he plays football, they'll have you believe he's the bad guy because when they're desperate for a story, oh, Five weeks ago, Dugan did this. Let's release it now. It comes back to what we said earlier, you know, rugby league players being naughty, so to speak. Mm. That's what sells newspapers, unfortunately. And the guys like Josh Dugan, they've done a lot of good things, but because he's had a, had a bit of a past, he's been a bad boy, he's got a lot of tattoos, 
uh, mate, he's, he's a bit of a target as well. Mate, I want to talk a little bit of origin. So uh, this next question comes in from Vincent Romeo. He says, will origin always be the pinnacle of our sport? And how do we get the international game to the top? Um, yeah, I think origin will always be the pinnacle of our sport, or at least until it becomes an entire international sport. Um, because the way I look at it, if we were to, to run a World Cup today, and instead of yep. having the Australian Kangaroos, we had the Queensland Maroons and the New South Wales Blues in there, if you set them up on other sides of the final spectrum so they couldn't meet in a semi-final, I, see, I honestly believe that they would eventually would reach a final of Queensland versus New South Wales. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I can't really overstate that enough. Until the game becomes international, Origin will remain the pinnacle. And we are getting close. We've only got to look at England. They beat New Zealand last year um, in that series, and they only lost the World Cup to us 6-0, which was obviously a huge shock to a lot of people. I think we're maybe only a decade away, I would say, until we become... Oh, maybe not a decade. That's a tough call. But do you sort of get where I'm getting at here? I understand what you're saying. And it's a really good point about, you know, if New South Wales and Queensland were on opposite, end, opposite ends of a, of a World Cup fixture, I'd, um, I never thought of it that way. I do think we're getting close, man. I think it's, it's uh, England are getting better and better. New Zealand are always thereabouts. But it's, it's kind of the biggest curse in our game. It's the best and the worst thing about our game in Australia, I will say that Origin is so successful because it it, um, it would be nice to see. I think it even hinders, you know, development in places like Melbourne because some of these kids, you know, what are they actually playing for when they can't really achieve the pinnacle of the sport? So I think things like that, I think they'll be addressed organically over time. And while Origin is, is you know, Origin is the best form of rugby league at the moment, it does bring in the dollars um, I don't know if that will change in the near future, but certainly anyone that listens to this podcast on the regular knows that we hope that the international game can can get over the top in the not-too-distant future. Yes, yeah, certainly. And the best point I think you touched on there was, um, you know, kids that come over to here from potentially England or are born in Melbourne or not anywhere but Queensland, New South Wales, don't feel like they can reach the pinnacle of the sport. And that's not um, speculation and that's fact. Because the best, one of the best players in the world, definitely the best forward in the world, Jason Tamalalo, recently tried to switch over exactly. so he could play State of Origin. <laughs> and you look at like guys like Tavita Pangai Jr., you know, playing for New South Wales, or he's put his hand up for New South Wales this year instead of Tonga. Because that's, you know, why would, if you're, you're a young guy like him, absolute peak of his powers, you want to test yourself against the best, right? So, look, that makes sense. But like I said, hopefully that changes. This was the most popular question that I had um, through our social channels. Uh, many people asked it, and and they all said, it said, how will insert team name here go in 2019? Mm. So, I you know, people were asking about all sorts of clubs. Um, I don't want to go through them all. We don't have time. But I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase the question and ask you, minor premiers, grand final winners, Wooden Spoon, who do you reckon? Okay, uh, let's go Wooden Spoon. I think the New Zealand Warriors, that's something I've said for a while now. It's a shock to a lot of people, but hear me out of my reasoning and see if I can change your mind. Tell me. Blake Green, when he was at the Melbourne Storm, was partnered with the world's best halfback, Cooper Cronk. He then moves to the Manly Seagulls. He's partnered with Australian halfback, Daly Cherry Evans. 
He then moves to the New Zealand Warriors and he's partnered with former Golden Boot winner and on his day, the best halfback in the world, Sean Johnson. He will be partnered with a rookie in 2019 for the first time in his career where he otherwise always plays a complementary role to these bigger, bigger named halves. Good point. And I just think that's too much of a change for Blake Green to adapt to in a professional sport where we saw last year with Jonathan Thurston, when you have one dominant half, the defense knows exactly where you are. Your decoy ball is not going to stop the defender from getting up, putting pressure on you, rushing your decisions. Blake Green is now the main man under pressure at the Warriors um, as a result of Sean Johnson leaving. They do have a otherwise experienced spine in Isaac Luke and Roger Tuovasa-Shek. But, you know, you can't overstate how important your halves are to a football game. Um, and I think that's one area where they might not necessarily struggle by the end of the year, but I think definitely at least the first 10 rounds, they're really going to struggle. And history tells us, um, you know, last year the Warriors won five games straight, rounds one to five. That was the first yep. time they did that in their club's history. Well, Only five yeah. games. Um, historically, they are slow starters, I suppose you could say, because of that. Um, and I just think once that slide continues, it's going to be very hard. Once they get under the media pressure to, um, I guess, get out of that slope. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a left field tip for the wooden spoon, but um, that, that's my prediction. Um, we'll go minor premiers, Sydney Roosters. Yep. yep. Okay, I think a lot of people agree with you on that one. Yeah, look, they're just too strong at this stage. And I think they go on to win the grand final unless we see a situation similar to last year where um, the Melbourne Storm were just found out by the Roosters. The Roosters yep. knew the game plan to beat them and they implemented it perfectly. And this was confirmed by Victor Radley on Denny Kemp's podcast, Bloke in a Bar. Um, yep. He said to him, he said, look, Robbo knew that he knew how to beat the Storm, but he didn't want to implement it because he wanted to save it because he knew we'd be versing them either deep in the semis or at grand final day. And, and it's that true a, because yeah. you look at the other games. Um, who was it? The Roosters or Storm? They When they versed last, there was a, I think, I can't remember who kicked the field goal. Was it Cameron Smith to win by one point? I'm not, I don't know, mate, but uh, mm. let's say Cameron Smith. There you go. Well, it was a very close game. It was decided by one point which shows he didn't implement the game plan. They just played. They ended up losing by one point. But then when they implemented the game plan come when it really mattered, they blew them off the park. And, there's, yeah. and, and you know, rugby league is that professional these days in the NRL. And, and when I say that, I mean, you know, we have the best coaches in the world. And, I mean, there's every chance that another team can do that to the Roosters. Because at yeah, the end definitely. of the day, we can sit here and go, the Roosters have Cooper Cronk. They have the Australian captain. They've got Angus Crichton now. They've got Luke yeah. Keary. They've got Tedesco. We can go through and, yeah, they've got the by far the most star-studded roster. But rugby league isn't that, played on paper, is it? That's right. Well, they actually look better than they did last year. Like, they've picked up a few good players. Brett Morris was so strong in the, in the World Club Challenge. I don't know if you watched him, mm. but he looked, he looked back to his, his younger days, back to his best, even stronger in terms of... Um, his physique as possibly as well. But I just wonder if, you know, it's, it's, we know how hard it is to win back to back. We haven't seen it since 92, 93 with the Broncos or 96, 97, if you want to count super league there. But I just, I just wonder if the hunger will still be there, but I, I have been saying if anyone can do it, it's this Roosters team because 
they they actually still seem hungry. They still seem like they have something to prove. Absolutely. Do you, do you, do you agree with that? Can't yeah. argue from what I saw in that World Club Challenge. Um, they, they looked hungry. And, um, yeah, I think that winning the World Cup Challenge was the first step towards them, um, you know, really showing that they are still hungry um, and they want to win. And I've just brought up one of my columns where, um, you know, two-time premiership winner James Maloney has said, everyone that plays the Roosters this year will have a their last year's Premier's mentality. Whether a side is coming 16th or 2nd, they'll play their best game of footy against them. There might be games last year where they weren't at their best and they still won. I think everyone's at their best until they turn into losses the next year. Your confidence goes yeah. a little bit because you're not playing the same way. Um, he goes on to say a fair bit of detail there, but I suppose the biggest part of it is um, everyone, there's, there's, a, there's a big target on their back. Definitely. Definitely. Of course. Well, that's always going to happen. And, mate, uh, look, I think a lot of people would agree with you with the Roosters there. I'm going to I'm gonna be a little bit biased here. I'm, uh, we're not going to go through all the clubs, but let's talk about our clubs, mate. So you're a Gold Coast Titans fan. I'm a St. George Illawarra Dragons fan. Where, where do they end up? What do you think about our two clubs? Dragons, top eight. Titans, I think we're on the edge of top eight. I don't think we're there just yet. Um, if we're talking about the Titans first, I think we have to agree this is the best side of the most depth we've ever had on the coast. Um, every single spot is competitive this year from 1 yeah, to 17. Right. And that's literally, that's no, I suppose it's complete honesty. <laughs> every single position is up for grabs by anyone because instead of going and signing those couple star signings, Garth Brennan has developed a really even roster, which is something I'm very excited about because the last time we played finals football under Neil Henry, he had the same mentality. He had the mentality, no one in this team is a star. We go out there, we're playing for each other, boys. Insert Jared Hayne on $1.2 million. He skipped (laughs) training a couple times. That kind of ruined that culture that Neil Henry is looking to build. Um, and the fact we have played finals football under that mentality and culture before, um, I'm pretty excited to see that sort of, I suppose, culture return to our club. But I just don't think we're at our top eight, um, top eight just yet. Um, as for your boys, I can't speak too much in depth for the Dragons, but uh, they have to be in the top eight. That side is so strong. Um, the biggest issue I saw in the trial game was Corey Norman looking a little bit lost out there at times. Um, yeah. And that was particularly on fifth tackle options. Um, because you look at what he, at the Parramatta Reels, Mitchell Moses did a lot of their kicking there, whether that was short or long. And the Dragons have typically relied on Ben Hunt for short kicking and Gareth Widdett for long kicking over past seasons. And a few times, Corey Norman just looked, looked a little bit lost um, as the sets came to a close there. But look, any team that has Corey Norman, Ben Hunt, um, and Gareth Widdett in it is a, is a deadly side. A um, little bit of a curveball rumour, or a, a prediction, sorry. Gareth yep. Widdett to leave for the Super League before the June 30 deadline. Mate. I certainly hope that is incorrect, but um, I guess you'd never be surprised in the NRL. And I know, I know he's eventually going back to Super League next year with Warrington uh, at the latest. Um, mm. He's going to be a gun over there. They're going to love him. Um, well, I heard a rumour that following how uh, dislocating his shoulder, obviously he got it fixed. He came back, he dislocated it again in the finals. Um, I can't confirm how accurate this is, but I, I am hearing that his confidence is very shook as a result. 
That's why he's requested to play fullback with Corey Norman in the halves. So there's less tackling there for him. Um, and certainly I think if we're talking about that, then that possibly could have affected his decision to sign for the English Super League, which is considered um, in some ways a weaker competition than the NRL. Yep. Well, that's a good one, good one a good rumour, I suppose. And it does make sense. Uh, I hope you're wrong. <laughs> I will agree yeah. because I love having Gareth at, at the Dragons and I really would love to see him taking us to the grand final uh, just in his last year. We'll see how we go, but it's going to be a big year uh, for the Dragons and the Gold Coast, hopefully for both of us, mate. Mate, I, ha- I have one more question. We're almost, we're approaching that hour mark, so, but I do want to throw one more question out there. This one comes from me uh, because we did close questions uh, on our social channels yesterday and after that happened, uh, the news came out about this wildcard semi-final situation, mate. Do you, do you want to talk a little bit about that and tell us what you think about the potential of having teams 7, 8, 9 and 10 in the NRL in 2020 playing a wildcard semi-final? Mm, I like it eventually. In another decade or so, when we have expanded and we have more than 16 teams, I want to see at least 18 or 20 teams. Name me another competition in the world where you can finish lower than half and still play finals. Yeah, not many. If, I think the M- the NBA is exactly half, isn't it? Um, I'm not. I think the NFL might be the same, but yeah, not. There wouldn't be any. I don't think. Well, I haven't done the math, but just doing it on the top of my head, you will have an over sixty percent chance of playing finals football. Yeah, it's and ridiculous. It, and to me, then it then it opens up things like, okay, why are we going to go out and play hard this game against a team like the Roosters? Let's just coast. We don't need the two points. Yeah. Let, let's yeah. finish 10th. Who cares? You're right. It the regular season. A, the, sorry, make, the regular. Oh, sorry, man. No, no. It, it makes a mockery of the regular season. Like, why are we exactly. playing 25 weeks, blood, sweat, and tears when someone that, that has lost 60% of their games could, could come back and win it? I'm not saying they will. Like, the likelihood that the team that came 9th or 10th could take out the comp. Uh, it's very small, but uh, look, I understand where they're coming from at the NRL. You know, they want the, the longer more teams can, can have a chance, the longer the fans are going to hang around. And, you know, from a money perspective, it's probably better in the short term, but I think actually, it actually hurts us in the long term. I, I don't like it at all. I do like what you said about maybe introducing it when there's more clubs. I've heard people say, look, if it was a top four and then, five to eight was a wild card, then that, that actually works. So, you know, maybe in the future. But mate, mm-hmm. we, we asked a question on our Instagram page, on our stories. Um, we said, you know, wild card semifinals, yes or no. Mate, 80% of people at this point said they don't want it. So well, I can't think of any other incentive for the NRL to introduce this other than a cash grab. It's cash, yeah. But I don't think they've looked into it properly. As you just touched on, yes, they will make more money come finals time. But if you think about it, in turn, they are hurting their income for the regular season. Exactly, yeah. Because fans aren't going to want to turn up to games where they know if their team's coming, I don't know, sixth, and they're versing a team that's coming first. They're not going to want to turn up and play their best footy and, you know, we need to topple the minor premiers, as James Maloney touched on um, earlier in that quote. That, that mentality that rugby league is based around is going to be thrown out the window because making finals is no longer, it's no longer necessarily based on the regular season. 
it's well, they, based on turning up and just winning a couple games under that. Yeah, it could turn out. You know, we, we know during Origin period, you know, sometimes the, the quality of the NRL during Origin period is not quite up to scratch. You see that, you know, with the fans, they don't not as many turn up to games. You're going to see that all year round. I think if you implement something like this wildcard system, the way they're suggesting it anyway. So right, uh, if you, if anyone from the NRL Channel 9 is listening, I think it's a big no from, from us. Uh, do you agree? Yeah, no arguments at all. I mean, I'm looking <laughs> at last year's ladder. Um, the teams that would have been eligible would have been the Tigers and the Raiders. That's not necessarily um, so bad. But then also on that, three other teams that realistically – were very poor all year. The Bulldogs, Cowboys, Titans, they were two wins off potentially playing finals football. Could yeah. you imagine if we had a situation where the Cowboys or the Titans played finals last year with how they played? Well, it would have been ridiculous. Especially it, the exactly. Way, yeah. <laughs> when you put it in perspective and bring up past season's ladders, guys, um, you'll, you'll see quickly as to where we're both coming from on this, um, I suppose. You, you almost say, should could say... Don't worry about the comp. Let's just have a knockout, <laughs> and then four weeks later, there's a grand final. Like it just, it's 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 t- a terrible way to do things. And hopefully, um, they see some sense at the NRL. Look, I'm glad they're thinking about this sort of stuff. Um, but you know, I think it's a no from the fans, and hopefully, that's the decision that's made. Mate, Clucky, mate, I'm glad we've got I've got all this NRL talk out of my system. Um, it's been a fantastic chat. Fantastic Q&A session. Thank you again to all the listeners who, who um, tweeted uh, or, or submitted their questions uh, via our social channels. Sorry to the ones we couldn't get to, but it's been almost an hour. We've been talking NRL. And, mate, um, you've, you've, you've listened to the show, Clarky. You've heard our Golden Points segment. Yep. You're, you're, you're familiar with the Golden Points. So what we do, normally for any new listeners, we, we talk three topics from around the world of rugby league. But then right at the end, we have 10 or 15 minutes of what we call golden points. So we just go sort of all the way around the world, mini topics that probably aren't big enough to have too much said about them, but really it's probably the most comprehensive uh, place for, for World Rugby League news. Mate, are you happy to stick around and um, I'll go through some golden points with you? Hey guys, Michael Carboni here. Due to a few recording technicalities, uh, about half of the golden points that I recorded with Clucky last night, uh, they can't be used, very difficult to listen to. So what I'm doing is recording them again by myself today, so hopefully it's a little bit better, a little bit clearer, and uh, Clucky will join me again at the end to wrap the show up. So guys, let's get into golden points. And uh, I want to start first golden point with... Lots of good stuff. All the expansion clubs in the UK absolutely killing it over the weekend. So we'll start with the Super League. The London Broncos defeated the current champions, the Wigan Warriors, 18-16. to London, you know, this year promoted to the Super League. Wigan, not sure what's going on there, but they've won one game this year, but they're at the bottom of the table on zero points after some salary cap issues. Uh, They'll dock two points at the start of the year, so great work, London Broncos, beating the champs. Also, Jake's favourites to take out the Super League this year, the Warrington Warrington Wolves, they went down 23-22 to against everyone's favourite French team, the Catalan Dragons. So, again, the expansion clubs killing it in the Super League. Down in the Championship, so Toulouse 
they defeated Bradford 14 to nil, and they're going to take on the undefeated Wolfpack, Toronto Wolfpack, in a very exciting game next week. Uh, Toronto, they actually were pretty lucky. They played the Dewsbury Rams. They were down 17 to four with about 20, 25 minutes to go. They ended up winning that game 22 to 17. I don't think they were very happy with the performance, but they got away with it, and their undefeated streak for 2019 continues. Guys, Golden Point moving over to Wales, and I am loving. Loving all all the, the development news coming out of Wales right now. So last weekend we saw a junior origin match where North Wales defeated South Wales 24 to 12. Plenty of future stars in action for this one. And uh, look, great work, Wales. I am as excited for the future of our sport there as I am in France. So fantastic stuff. Guys, golden point moving over to Serbia. So it's only March, and Red Star Belgrade, the powerhouse from Serbia, they've already won a trophy. So they defeated Partizan, their their local rivals, 60 points to 12, an absolute shellacking. So the two sides, they compete in a local derby each year for the Super Cup. Uh, the scoreline, as you can tell, absolutely blew out. Now, last year, the contest between these two teams were much tighter. Just goes to show how much Red Star have learned from their Challenge Cup match against Milam this year. They have improved out of sight, which is very scary for the rest of the clubs in Serbia and the Balkan Super League. Now, this match uh, was tarred. It was soured by a huge all-in brawl in the second half. So what happened? Uh, big front rower. Uh, for the Partisan side, I don't know his name, but think in your mind, George Rose, that sort of frame, takes the ball up for a hit-up. A few of the uh, Red Star boys get in for the tackle. Uh, the American Brandon Anderson makes a perfectly legal tackle, but falls awkwardly, lands on the front rower's uh, neck and head. Complete accident, I believe. He ends up on the floor. The front rower gets up, punches Brandon in the head three times, absolutely coward sort of response to 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 the tackle um i think he'll be banned for quite a long time but um what happened after that an all-in brawl players came in off the bench and i think we'll see a number of suspensions come out of this one so very very sour finish to the game of course these two had a brawl in uh, the serbian grand final last year as well so i think partisan uh, safe to say when they are behind, uh, things can get a little bit ugly on the field, but we don't like seeing it. Uh, some of those punches thrown were disgusting, and um, it's a real shame because great things happening over there in Serbia, and we don't want to see that sort of violence on the field, though, that's for sure. Golden point, uh, big news for the Americas last week. So the first Americas Nines will take place at Lamport Stadium in Canada. It's the home of the Wolfpack. That'll happen this May. Four teams will compete in the inaugural Nines. It'll be Jamaica, Jamaica, uh, Canada, the USA, and the combined side, the Latin Heat. So I've tweeted ARLC Chairman Peter Beattie asking if the winner will be invited to the Nines World Cup in Sydney. Uh, no response, but wouldn't it be awesome? Let's If we hear anything, we will let you know. So staying in America, Golden Point, uh, one of our contacts from the USARL has given us some bad news. He said that a club from the Northern Conference will be dropping out of the competition in the 2019 season. It's very sad. Uh, we can't name the club yet, but look, watch this space. I'm sure it will all come out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Golden Point and some positive news from Central America. So we've heard whispers that Panama is set to be the next rugby league nation to hit the stage from that region. So the guys behind it uh, have been involved in, in setting up rugby league in places like El Salvador and Nicaragua. So really exciting times for Central America 
and uh, we'll hope to get an episode uh, over to you shortly, interviewing some of the guys involved here and letting you know exactly what's happening because really exciting stuff, the birth of Rugby League in Central America. It's been exciting to watch. Guys, Golden Point, so the largest Asian domestic competition in Rugby League history, kicked off over the weekend. So it's going to be an eight-team competition, but at the moment four teams have participated from Thailand uh, in the Asian Su- ASEAN Super League. So they battled out in La- Ladkrabang in Thailand. Oh, here comes my mispronunciations, guys. Get ready for it. So the Banglamong Broncos defeated the Bangkok City Bulldogs 42-24, to and the Satahip Storm defeated the Nonthaburi Knights 34-12 to in the opening round. We expect four more teams will be named uh, in another uh, another region for this competition shortly and our fixtures will be announced soon as well so really exciting times in asia and thailand in particular with some with the super, with their own super league fantastic guys um golden point a massive shout out to gurul Yildiz. He's the president of the Turkish Rugby League. He contacted me yesterday to share some exciting developments uh, happening over in Turkey. So three big things that I took out of the conversation. So number one, there'll be a Turkey Nines tournament, which will take place this weekend uh, over there. There'll be some footage available on the Turkish Rugby League Facebook page. We will share those links on our social channels, so keep a lookout for that. And Dane Clark, Clarkie has told me that he will share the links on his social channels as well so make sure you're you're watching that and checking it out guys domestically i'm told that the turkish champions the katakoy bulls are going into recruitment overdrive they're taking this year's balkan super league very seriously they're hoping to take out their group stage which includes partisan uh, and they want to challenge themselves against red star belgrade so they hope hope one of the sides hoping to be able to catch the big boys over in in the Balkan Super League this year. And finally, internationally, uh, Turkey have committed to playing three international matches this year. Uh, the men's and the women's will be getting matches uh, over three weekends. So one of those matches will take place during the NRL International Window, State of Origin 2 weekend. The other two will be in September. Uh, their opponents will be announced soon. So watch this space. We'll let you know exactly who that's going to be when the news can be announced. And guys, finally, final golden point for this week. So the Oceania Cup and the Great British Lions Tour has been formally announced. So we spoke about this last week. Uh, all of the matches that we discussed last week have been confirmed, plus a few extras. But I'll go through the entire list with you once again here right now. So June 22nd at Mount Smart Stadium in New Zealand, we'll see New Zealand play Tonga in what will be the opening match for the Oceania Cup Group A. We're also going to see the Kiwi Ferns, so the, the ladies taking taking having a match. Uh, the, their competition yet to be announced, so we don't know who they're playing yet, but we'll, we'll know shortly. Also that day at Campbelltown Stadium in Australia, Samoa will take on Papua New Guinea in Oceania Group B. So we did predict that Papua New Guinea would have a match that weekend. We just didn't know if they were playing Samoa or Fiji. So that's been confirmed. And also before that match, Fiji will be playing a warm-up against the Cook Islands side. It's going to be really interesting because the USA guys will be able to see... uh, 
have a close look at their competition in Cook Islands for their qualifier in World Cup qualifier in Jacksonville towards the end of the year. So that's going to be interesting. Moving over to October 26 in Hamilton, New Zealand. So the Great British Lions, they'll be here and they'll be playing Tonga. That'll be interesting. Uh, meanwhile, sorry, the night before in Wollongong, Australia will play New Zealand in the Oceania Cup Group A. Also, the Gillaroos will play the Kiwi Ferns uh, in a women's match prece preceding that one. November 2, Eden Park, the triple header. We spoke about it last week. Uh, Samoa versus Fiji, Australia versus Tonga, Great Britain versus New Zealand. I'm not sure this needed to be a triple header. Would have preferred to see these split. Uh, I think uh, two of these games in particular would have been huge on their own. Even Samoa versus Fiji on its own uh, in Fiji could have been very interesting. But alas, we have three games and I'm not going to complain because International Rugby League is here in a big way. November 9 in Christchurch. There's going to be a double header, so Great Britain will play New Zealand again and Papua New Guinea will face Fiji. Uh, before that match as well. The following week, Port Moresby, Papua New Guinea, Great Britain will take on the PNG side. That's going to be amazing for PNG. And we've also found out that the PNG Orchard, Orchids will face a Pacific All-Stars side. So that's going to be fantastic for, for the Orchids as well. Uh, guys, we, I assume that that week or at some time in November, we'll also see the Grand Finals played for Oceania A and B. I say I assume because I'm not sure. It may be simply a first-past-the-post situation. Uh, that's the last thing to be confirmed, I suppose. But I'm hoping we get a grand final because it would be nice to see a little bit more International Rugby League uh, to be included in this smorgasbord. Guys, and an interesting note to come out of it all as well, the winner of the Oceania Group B, they will be promoted to Group A in 2020, taking the place of the Kangaroos who will tour the UK that year. So potentially we could be seeing you know, New Zealand, Tonga and maybe a side like Papua New Guinea or Fiji uh, or, or Samoa, let's not discount them, but one of those guys will be up there in the top tier uh, next year. That's going to be exciting for whoever makes it and certainly a massive carrot uh, for the guys in Group B this year. So guys, that's our golden points for this week. Back to myself and Clarkie to wrap up the show. I mean, to sum up everything you just said, footy is back. It's back, baby. Hell <laughs> so yeah. We, mate, we can't wait. Um, the NRL is going to be massive. Clarky, I just want to say a big thank you, mate, for, for being here, for helping us answer all of these NRL questions. I know I couldn't have done it without you. And, uh, man, I've hope, I hope I've taught you a little something about the, the, the world of rugby league tonight with uh, some of our golden points. Yeah, you've certainly um, opened my eyes in, in some aspects. And as you said, if there is any links to broadcasts, um, please feel free, uh, feel free to send them my way. I'd love to share them across my social media handles. But, um, you know, I really love what you're doing. I really love the whole aspect of Grow the Game. And I think Rugby League is in a good place, um, but I think it will be in a better place when international footy is the pinnacle of our game and we have multiple nations competing, loving Rugby League, um, yeah, but I can't speak highly enough of you guys. I love what you guys do. And if you're here um, from my social media, make sure you go over to Instagram and follow at Chasing Kangaroos Podcast. Um, I'd really appreciate it if you could do that if you're from my side of the house. But um, Mate, I really, I really do appreciate you saying those kind words. We, of course, love what you're doing as well, mate. Like I said, like very comprehensive. If you want NRL news, 
this is the only man you need to follow. So why don't you tell our fans uh, where they can find you on all of your social media channels as well? Sure, yeah. So pretty much, you know, we're talking... Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. If you put in the phrase Clarkie's NRL column, um, I'll pop up there and you can find my news there, guys. It's um, daily columns, daily updates on rugby league news, scores, results, injuries. If you can think of something to do with rugby league, it's probably on my page. So, um, yeah, I guess... Mate, and which players, which players are going to be taking over your, uh, your Instagram page this week? Well, uh, it's a little hard one tomorrow because I've reached out. I hate typically doing this because I'm, I'm scared. I've had a situation in the past where two players have replied and I've had to sort of be like, oh, this is awkward. You have um, to choose. <laughs> yeah, so I haven't got anyone planned for tomorrow at this stage and I probably don't want to be calling anyone. Now it's past nine o'clock. These guys will have training tomorrow. Um, so I'll see what happens for tomorrow. Maybe someone will get back to me early. But Friday will be former Queensland Maroon Chris Walker. That'll be awesome. Chris Walker. That'll be fantastic. We'll look forward to that one, mate. And uh, look, once again, uh, Dan Clark, mate, thank you so much for talking NRL with us. We're going to do this once a year, mate. Well, mate, hopefully we can get you back on next year, maybe, because you've been fantastic to speak to. I will say a big thank you to all of our fans for listening. Hashtag grow the game. Please tell your friends about us if, it, if they are like-minded in their love for rugby league around the world. A big shout out to our affiliates, Mascord Browns with a Z. Com. Mate, uh, our affiliate link is in the show notes and it's also on our Facebook page uh, in, the, in the Buy Now section. If you buy from that affiliate link, a couple of dollars do come our way, helping support International Rugby League and growth, helping us make this a better show as well. And uh, Clarky, any final words before we wrap it up for the night? Final words is just thank you very much for the opportunity and anytime you want me on, I'm happy to appear in your guys' show.